0: Hey, if you have a project that needs reliable cryptocurrency data, check out BlockTap.io. BlockTap.io is a universal cryptocurrency API. You can get historical prices for Bitcoin and other digital assets that you can use to build charts and do market analysis. Blockchain data is also indexed so you can get transaction statistics, address balances, and more for Bitcoin and other networks. BlockTap.io is free for personal use and you don't even need to create an account to access the API. To get started, try some of the example queries on the homepage at BlockTap.io. Again, that's B-L-O-C-K. TAP.io, BlockTap.io, and we thank them for sponsoring Sovereign Tech. Woo, let's get back to the show. Keeping your
1: text messages protected from hackers and eavesdroppers has become a major issue. The government says it occasionally needs access to some of these messages to investigate criminals and terrorists, but tech companies see that as a potential violation of privacy. Your text messages are protected using what's called end to end encryption. This encryption happens whenever you send a secure text message from your smartphone. Here's how end-to-end encryption works to keep your data private while in transit. Your phone has two unique keys that encrypt and decrypt messages. These are called public and private keys. Your public key is shared with other people and it's used as part of the encryption protocol. Your private key is only on your device and is never shared. When two people want to securely chat, They use a combination of public and private keys to create a temporary shared key. Let's look at how this works. Alice sends Bob a message, which simultaneously causes an exchange of public keys. Both Bob and Alice use the other person's public key combined with their own private key to create a temporary shared key. They then use this shared key to encrypt messages to each other, and their public keys are used to confirm that those shared keys are authentic. The shared keys are being erased and regenerated constantly, which ensures that Bob and Alice's conversation cannot be decrypted in the future. An eavesdropper could see that Alice and Bob exchanged messages. But because the eavesdropper doesn't have Alice or Bob's shared key, these messages can't be decrypted. Some people believe that tech and telecom companies should provide what's called backdoor access to these encrypted messages. There are two types of backdoors. The first type is a list of private keys that would allow the company access to encrypted messages so they could deliver these messages to an agency such as the FBI. There are two problems with this method. One, if this list is hacked or compromised, every person's private key is up for grabs. Two, if this system is abused, you, the user, would have no idea that someone is accessing your data. The second type of backdoor is for tech companies to deliberately build a weakness or flaw into the encryption formula that would allow law enforcement to access the messages on a case-by-case basis. The problem with this method is that hackers might eventually find a way to exploit those weaknesses, too. At the core of this whole debate is the very thorny issue of personal privacy versus national security. It's one that society, tech companies, and the government are still trying to decrypt. Assessing Historical Database Year 2020 The tech giants become aware of the greatest threat to their corporatist domination. An obscure science and tech podcast becomes a major factor in a peaceful open-source revolt against the military-Silicon Valley industrial complex. The podcast, Sovereign Tech. Its host, Dr. Brian Sovereign. The tech giants tried to stop sobbing tech. They can't.
0: Woo! Hot, hot, hotter than hell, baby, actually. <laughs> No, it's not it's like 9 degrees outside. What the hell am I talking about? Woo. But it is the hottest tech show in the world, baby. Right here, Sovereign Tech ready to get into all that action. So much news to cover this week. Um but you know, actually this episode's coming out a day late. I don't know what the hell happened. I talked about this On the recent uh, Q&A on Zomia One, of course, if you want to become a member of the Zomia One Underground and get exclusive audio content as well as access to the Q&As, you get to ask me questions, even though you can send in content via Twitter and all other places, uh, which actually we're going to cover some content uh, sent in, uh, also well commented on on the Podbean app. Some stuff sent in to me via email, bbs at sovereigntech.com, as well as a couple stories that got shared with me on Twitter. Of course, find me on Twitter at Sovereign Tech, Tech. Uh, but yeah, you can join the Zomia One Underground to go to zomia1.com and you get to take part in the, the Q&As that happen every single week. And again, there is literally, the archives are insane of thousands of hours of content only behind that paywall and you can get behind that paywall for as little as what's the cheapest one a couple bucks you can do a lot more and many do but uh and it's there for you jump on it but i talked about this on the recent q a um so i don't want to spend a ton of time like retreading things here even though we are going to get into a couple subjects that i mentioned in the q a that i said well i want to get onto it on a proper get into it on a proper sovereign tech because i think they're important for again the important stuff i'll i'll never put behind a paywall I always want to make sure important shit is getting out to every single listener that wants it and the thousands and thousands of you, you deserve it. So anyway, um, so I, you know, long time listeners know this about me, but I, I am a, I'm a bit of a mutant. Um, I mean, we're all individuals, so one could argue we're all different. We're all mutants uh, in our own way, but, uh, but I, I am a, I'm a bit of a medical mutant because my average running body temperature is significantly lower. Uh, than the average human being, which, you know, just proves that I'm a cold hearted bastard. No, uh, but no, really, uh, I run about four degrees lower than the average person. The average person runs at what about 98.6, 98.7, something like that degree degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, my average body temperature is 94.2 to 94.6, depending upon the day. Uh, I've been that way my whole life. It's just a weird thing. Um, and I have had researchers, uh, you know, look into this professionals, And uh, including some friends, and they basically suggested to me, and of course, this brings up a point we've brought up many times on Sovereign Tech, that really, especially Western medicine, does not take into account... Um, you know, the fact that we are individuals and that, and so much of, you know, what, what gets recommended, you know, through, well, big pharma and whoever the fuck else uh, is often based on an average, but then none of us are really, none of us are that average, you know, uh, especially medically. So anyway, the suggestion goes is that I'm a little bit of a medical marvel in that bacteria and other things don't exactly exist inside me very well. So this is their explanation for why I basically never get sick. And more or less, I really don't. I, I almost never, ever get sick. But somehow, last week, whoo, d- <laughs> did I get sick? I mean, it, it was it was bad. Again, we got a lot of great stuff to get into, all kinds of tech news, all kinds of hotness. We're going to get into it. It was really, really bad, and then unfortunately, because this week I planned, we planned on uh, having, of course, the the absolutely wonderful and inimitable and brilliant and beautiful Ellen Stallone, love of my life, on the show. But um, uh, she got sick. I mean, just un- I don't know what the hell happened to us. I don't know if if we were just uh, whew, if it was too much all night long, <laughs> like we just had had a little too much fun on a weekend. You know what I mean? And uh, and and it brought our uh, our immune systems down or something. Hell, I don't know. But we got sick like you would not believe. Fortunately, we are, and, and a lot of you uh, uh, sent in your, your well wishes, and I appreciate that, uh, those that heard on Zomi One Underground content. Um, but we're, uh, we're both recovering nicely. But because of that, uh, we're going to have to reschedule to have Ellen on uh, next week, uh, most likely. But uh, we do plan on having her on the Q&A this week, which will be a great time, because there's some uh, questions that I think her particular expertise uh, would, would play well with. So we're, we'll get into that. But if, you know, you're not going to hear it. If you don't, if you don't join the Zomia one underground, you got to jump on that. Got to get on it. Be there. I guarantee you it is worth the money that is asked. I guarantee you that. So anyway, um, so that's, what's going on. That's why we're a little bit of a day late, because also, you know, like we're just, we're both recovering and kind of taking each other, taking care of each other, the the sick, helping the sick. I mean, we're both mentally ill, but (laughs) Anyway, let's uh, let's get into uh, let's get into a little bit of the foreplay here, shall we? A little bit of the uh, the little stories going on in tech news. Though one could argue many of them are are not so little. In fact, some of these are uh, jabbing some people right in the pocketbook. And uh, well I can't necessarily say I have a problem with it, but we'll talk about it. In fact, you know, speaking of Twitter, so I want to. I've actually had a conversation, and in fact, I'm kind of glad I didn't have the conversation because a new Twitter feature. That has been slowly rolling out i, I still think it, it needs a little bit better implementation than what it has but a new twitter feature that is slowly rolled out is kind of solving the problem that that i was originally having with twitter uh i mean look i, I think social media is an absolute net negative to the human condition okay you can say oh but it helped me with this and oh i found the love of my life and whatever else and blah you know whatever the fuck which i mean you probably you know i don't know a year or two later maybe you found out whoa actually this person is not the love of my life and they ain't half as cool as they thought they were on social media yeah that's a pretty good bet that that happened didn't it anyway regardless social media and we could go down the reasons but we don't have to here we've already covered it many times in the show uh, social media, in my opinion, is an absolute net negative. Uh, in fact, I think it's driving us as a species in general quite insane. Um, and and I think that this new feature that uh, Twitter has rolled out is very much speaking to why Uh, I have said, and it addresses why, you know, my reasons for saying, and they are very simple biological ones. It's not even necessarily a matter of privacy concerns or things like this. So certainly we're going to cover some of those in this episode. Okay. But why it is such a problem because it is antithetical to the way we as human beings function. Okay. In brief, the issue I had, or the issue I've been having with twitter, and and I'm not going to get into the big conversation because, like I said, this new feature, which is called topics, by the way. I know I' just keep talking about this new feature not telling you what it is. It's called topics. We'll talk about it. Um, the issue I had had to do with is that if you see the trending box, which on Facebook was an absolute fail and was actually was not as, dare I say, honest, though it's debatable how honest it was on Twitter. Okay, but Facebook had this and eventually they got rid of it because they knew it was a worthless feature. Uh with Twitter, like it'll show say hashtags or a certain subject that's coming up, whatever. Um now part of the problem with this trending box, again, I'm not gonna get into the big the big issue or you know have the big conversation that I planned on because now it's it's not moot, but it's kind of moot. So this trending box, you know, here here's what'll happen is something I, I don't know, like just it, it could be anything. And I'm just going to toss out an example. That's not real. I know it's not real, but I'll just put it out there. Um, for example, in the trending box on Twitter, it would come up with, and it would say Buck Rogers. And I would see that and I would go, Oh, you know, <laughs> like, well, what's all this about? You know? Uh, and I mean, first off, I'd probably be thinking, Oh shit, the Gil Gerard or Aaron Gray die, you know, and I'd be like, Oh fuck. Um, cause I'm a huge fan of the 1980, uh, Buck Rogers. I mean, I also dig Buck Rogers from back in the day, you know, good old Buster Crab, the whole thing, uh, you know, from the thirties and so on, but regardless, uh, like, oh no, or, or, or maybe the worst thing would be, oh fuck, they're going to remake Buck Rogers. God damn it. Don't do it, you know, <laughs> but they're gonna like, that's what would happen. But so there's an expectation that I think anybody who's remotely familiar say with Buck Rogers, what they would expect there to be when they click on the, the, the trending box on Twitter. Okay. On the right-hand side, generally. Uh, I mean, or it's the explore tab if you're on the app, you know, on, on smartphones or whatever. But anyway, there's an expectation of, w- of probably what that's going to be. I mean, in the idea of it being a remake, not outlandish the idea of it being Gil Gerard dying. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's, that's highly likely. I, I hate to say that, but, uh, oh, man, Anyway, you know what's good, but here's what would actually happen when you click on it. When you actually click on it, it would probably turn out to be some story about something from, from K-pop, you know, Korean pop and some stupid, I don't know, fucking asshat BTS bullshit. What I, I I don't, I don't know. I don't care. All right. And I tried, I listened to It's like, Oh, everybody fucking loves K-pop. And I listened to K-pop and I go, I don't know what the fuck these people are talking about. This is the most banal I, in fact it's banal this, this shouldn't even be possible for something that's banal it is the most it's so banal that I dare say it's malicious that music it's it's terrible Uh, so but that's what it, what it ended up being and, and basically I, I kind of got to the point like when going through the trending box again it's, this isn't the big subject but this is just part of it I kind of got to the point that I'm like okay so basically Twitter is just all about K-pop because anything in the trending box was about K-pop every single time, unless it was somebody that actually did die. And it was the most annoying fucking thing, especially because things would come up again, but Buck Rogers is a, uh, is not a real example. It's just a, you know, case or, I mean, it's just, yeah. Anyway, it, that, that never really happened, but it would be something that I would absolutely recognize, you know, and, and might even be a fan of or something, but then somehow it turned into, and it would be somehow ended up getting used as something for K-pop. It was insane. Every time that, that would happen. And you just see a bunch of stupid pictures and, oh man. So anyway, this speaks to an overall, you know, problem. I mean, Twitter is such a fire hose of information and none of their algorithmic changes have done a goddamn thing. And that's why I think they've come out with their new feature, which is called topics. So what you can do is, is in your, in the app, um, and it'll show up after you set it up in the app, it shows up on the, on the website as well. Um, but when you go into the app and you, and you bring up, you know, the sidebar with the hamburger menu and everything, uh, on the left-hand side, it'll say topics and this is, it's still a little bit of a problem, but basically it will recommend some topics to you, or as you're going through your feed, there will be topics that will come up. Like for me, a couple of topics that I've already chosen. Uh, and like, again, you can't really enter them. You can't choose them, which I think is a problem. And there isn't a tab yet anyway, that will just let you look at those probably because they're still building out this algorithm. Okay. But uh, I have Star Wars and Star Trek. Those were two topics recommended to me. Now, once you select these on Twitter, what'll happen is, is that Twitter will start to show you people that you don't even follow, whatever, but people that just happen to be in the algorithm, popular tweets that are covering the subject or the topic that you have selected. Now you can turn off following these topics by going to the topic tab again, and you can turn off Star Wars or Star Trek or, or, or whatever. Now, and I'm sure this exists for a whole bunch of other topics, and I'm sure K-pop is one of them. Um, but the fact that Twitter felt like this was needed, I think, speaks to, well, issues that, like I said, in fact, that, that have to do with human biology of why we have such a hard time with social media. And I mean, it just turns into, again, a complete net negative. Uh, for example, like I think the fact that, that it start, it, topics is basically Facebook groups. At at the end of the day, I mean, it's a fancier version of it to some degree, um, but it's basically Facebook groups, right? This is, and in fact, I said this years ago on Sovereign Tech that the one feature Twitter really needs to be able to take on Facebook is groups. Well, Topics seems to kind of be pointing in that direction, but it's not only a feature. I mean, really, in Twitter, I think, came up with this because. What you have is, is that you, and you hear this on, if you listen to other podcasts, podcasts that like have to do, uh, say, if you listen to podcasts that are only about Star Wars, you will often hear on those other podcasts where they will talk, they will use a phrase, like they will say on Star Wars Twitter, they were talking about this. And that's kind of the point is that Twitter has gotten so insane that now people have, even without the topics feature, people have basically started to segregate twitter into subjects anyway like there's bitcoin twitter i've heard that phrase go around you know you, you there's k obviously k-pop twitter which is just fucking stupid but okay um and, and look look <laughs> it's nothing against you know koreans whatsoever okay it's just it, it's horrible music um and, and I, you know i've been to uh korea actually and and i don't understand most people there that i met uh, in fact, actually I was going to move to, uh, to, to, Korea, uh, at one point, um, recently, you know, in recent years, actually. But, um, but you know, when I was there, everybody just listens to eighties metal. Like, I don't even think they listen to pop, but I, I guess maybe just American musicians, uh, you know, just like they can't make movies anymore. They don't know how to make music anymore. So they're just, I don't know, they're trying to, to, to import, uh, some, some, uh, some, you know, some cool points, right? <laughs> make k-pop a thing it's kind of like the musical version of anime which hey you know i love anime i mean fucking love it uh especially hentai there we go uh but anyway (laughs) yeah so you know this whole thing with with twitter topics i mean it's just it's twitter has become a beast that cannot be tamed and so people are mentally segregating this and even though this doesn't necessarily have to do with people themselves it really comes down to something that i've brought up many times which i consider to be an absolutely scientifically proven biological principle and that is the dunbar number uh, or dunbar's number of course you know a concept uh that was collated by robin dunbar dr robin dunbar uh, which basically suggests that humans can really only have meaningful interactions with anywhere between five to depending upon what research you go with we'll say five to 250 people okay Uh, and there are different levels within that but people can't handle the amount of shit going on on Twitter. And so they are breaking it up, not by people because then you might miss out on some amazing fucking tweet, but they're breaking up by breaking it up by subjects, but it's still a matter of the Dunbar number. Uh, but I mean, I, I still, you know, this solves some things, but at the same time, it creates whole other problems because here's the thing. So now that you have topics on Twitter, um, I am seeing the most asinine. I am seeing the absolute worst of humanity Uh, because, because I'm following some of these subjects. I mean, you know, long time listeners of sovereign tech, know this is, this is no secret. Uh, You know, I'm a huge star Wars fan, huge fan have been long before Disney bought it out. uh, Have been, I mean, as far back, literally as far back as I can remember. I'm 38 years old. I can remember when I was three, had a very seminal moment around Star Wars. I'm not going to get into it here. I've talked about it on past podcasts, but my point being is that I've been a Star Wars fan and I never stopped being a Star Wars fan. Unlike other people, Um, I rode through the dark times. I do a Star Wars podcast with my man, Robin Freebeard. Okay. On Zomia one called TIE fighter renegades. And I've been doing that for years. Um, I, I mean, I, and, and I read every Star Wars book, every Star Wars comic book. I know very few super fans that really do that. Right. I am hard as I am as hardcore as they come when it comes to star Wars. Uh, so it's not a surprise that Twitter would have me, you know, follow star Wars topics or star Wars as a topic on Twitter. Right. But basically, you know, tw- uh, star Wars fandom has its own version of K-pop, which is raylos these people who are just fucking obsessed with the relation with a romantic relationship even though it's very clear on screen that it's an abusive you know and a deleterious and and horrible one that nobody should model uh between kylo ren or ben solo depending how you want to go about that and ray um i didn't say her last name because i don't know i guess maybe there's still people who haven't seen rise of skywalker but whatever so these fucking (laughs) raylos I mean, I can't, I can't stand them. And I almost wanted to turn off the topic for Star Wars. So, you know, it doesn't, it's not really helping at all. Like this whole topic thing is just, it. it while it is solving some aspects of the problems of Twitter, like how is it solving the, the trending box? Well, if you could get to the point and they really should make it to where you can just have everything related to the topic of star wars show up like in a in a list i mean they've always had the list feature but you get my point uh you know the topic tab should take you to your topics and have only your topics come up um but that solves the trending box by you know like say if you're just following a topical twitter you could only get trends within say star wars that would show up in the trending box right or with star trek or with bitcoin or you know which would be actually with bitcoin it'd be very helpful uh you know or whatever okay like that that could it can be a really really great feature um at the same time ironically i i mean it, and it's it's scary too because and I don't know if it's because of the topic feature that suddenly this has become such a thing, but I mean like these fucking Raylos, they'll, they'll say the most asinine shit you'll ever read in your life and they get thousands of, of likes and retweets. And, and all of them have the same, they, they all have, uh you know, for, for the profile picture, they, they have Adam Driver, you know, as Kylo or whatever as their profile picture and then it's in their name and everything. And it's, it's the most pathetic fucking thing. You know, look, I identify as a nerd, i have i mean you know, i have literally bled for science fiction you understand like because when i was a kid you know if you were into sci-fi even if you're into star wars if you're in star wars just a little too much you got your ass beat for it by you know the, the the whatever bully uh you know happened to be around okay so point being i've literally bled for this shit so don't don't give me any crap that like somehow I don't, you know, that I I, I look I I'm just saying it's it is ridiculous to identify with a, rel, a a non-existent minuscule relationship. Minuscule evidential relationship or as in there's very little evidence. Relationship but again, it doesn't even exist in this little franchise, in this little trilogy, in this tiny little aspect. I mean, it's funny because I mean, I seem to remember when Star Wars fans used to make fun of people for being into Boba Fett. Well, at least Boba Fett fucking exists, you know, <laughs> like this fucking rail over. Oh man. And so the irony is, is that, you know, this topic feature, it, it was supposed to solve a problem, but in some aspects it's just created an even bigger one because now I am just, you know, algorithmically seeing all of these morons. I, I all right. I have to stop calling everybody morons. They are, but I know I've got to stop calling them that. Okay. I see all of these fans. Okay. There, that's better. I see all of these fans and, 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 and it just, it, it makes me, in fact, it not only makes me hate Twitter, which I mean, I already do, but it not only makes me hate Twitter, but it also fucking makes me hate Star Wars because these people are nuts does not speak well i mean and and, you know i could get into a big subject around well you know uh i mean the world is in is in such a shit shape not chip shape shit shape the world is in such shit shape that yeah people are just trying to exist in in these you know created franchises and fantasy worlds that they can share with other people or something and i can i can understand that fuck i can even appreciate it but <laughs> to identify with a fucking relationship that doesn't even exist. I, oh man, I'm. I, wow, wow. Yeah, the internet's connected us all, right? And and, and it, like, <laughs> like we've said many times on this show, just like how plumbing you know, when, when the Romans came up with plumbing, it was this incredible, ingenious invention, a wild advancement that you would say benefited their lives. However, they were lead pipes and it was literally driving them insane. Okay. Well, guess what? The internet pipes are clearly driving us fucking insane. Wow. Anyway, we got to change that. Uh, you know, a step in that direction. (laughs) We we have more to get into in the foreplay here. A step in that direction thank you for listening to me about that this rail thing is is really driving me fucking is it's driving me insane I, I i i can't do it a step in the right direction would be of course to use an operating system uh yeah i know this is not the best of segways but whatever we're running with it. uh tails big fan of tails of course that is uh tails is you know, kind of a subsidiary of, of Tor project. Uh, it is their operating system that you put onto a USB drive and you know, you boot it up. Now here's a problem with tails tails requires you. I mean, it's not really a problem, but if you don't know what you're doing, or if you're not the technically minded, and it's pretty clear the Tor project, as we've talked about on this show throughout the year of 2019 and 2018, uh, the Tor project is really trying to get everybody using Tor. And I completely applaud that. Um, tails requires you to turn off secure boot. So you got to get into the Eufy or BIOS. I mean, secure boot is specifically a Eufy feature. So you've got to get into the Eufy of your computer and turn off secure boot. Now this is, I mean, it's not a difficult thing to do, especially when it comes to getting into a Eufy or, you know, or BIOS. Uh, But it does potentially create problems okay you know i mean and and there's a security risk involved and the whole reason you're using tails is so that you don't have to worry uh, or or so you know is for i should say not so you don't have to worry but it is so you can have more security turning off secure boot would seem to be antithetical to that right also makes it difficult because one of the beauties of uh, beautiful things about tails is that you can say go up to somebody else's computer and use it uh, temporarily or something or a workstation whatever okay uh you know and use it with tails So, but if it has secure boot on, then, you know, that creates problems and maybe the person has the, the UFI password protected. And so you're just never going to boot into Tails. It's a real issue. So they are working on this year, uh, the team behind Tails in making Tails able to boot up with secure boot on. This is essential an essential essential feature to add in i'm very excited that that they are doing that i think i left it in the show notes for a few episodes ago but i'll just bring it up here uh that is something that is coming so if you've been turned off by tales for that reason get ready and i will certainly announce it once they've got it licked and figured out um i mean and we've gone up a couple versions too we're up to version 4.2 now uh so make sure you have it updated uh, there have been some pretty critical fixes over the past couple versions uh, versions of uh of tales so jump on that now another interesting story and this one actually got sent in to me by a sovereign tech listener uh and very worthwhile to to, to jump on and and talk about in this one this story actually came from uh, great listener, absolutely great listener who shared it with me on Twitter. In fact, not long before this is getting recorded. Um, this story is incredibly, f- incredibly fresh just today, uh, January 21st, 2020. I'm not going to read the whole story here cause we're just in the foreplay, but I want to talk about this. Here it is from Reuters exclusive Apple. This is the headline Apple dropped plan for encrypting backups after FBI complained, say sources. Uh, so effectively what happened here? is apple was going to implement end-to-end encryption uh client-side encryption backups of your data that goes to icloud that way when it goes to icloud no one can read it because the you know the encryption was again done end-to-end which is how you want encryption done if you listen to the audio at the top you have a little more understanding around that okay but the fbi you know cried foul and apple caved in this is important to bring up and in fact there's a couple lines in the story that i want to talk about okay this is important to bring in fact you, you know who who said it best pavel Durov, who's the head of um of telegram uh he came out and said and i know pavel Durov's history folks but guess what he's like me he's an anarchist Woo, all right anyway um, he came out, he, he put, in fact, because he has a, what is was it Duroff's channel on Telegram where he puts out various announcements and everything. It's, it's actually usually very interesting reading because uh, I think he's an interesting guy. And he came right out and said, he said, iCloud is now officially a surveillance tool. That's straight up what he said. And he's not wrong because Apple played ball with the FBI on this one, folks. And said, okay, fine. You know, yeah, we wanted to give our, our, you know, our, our customers, this end to end encryption, but yeah, well, the FBI doesn't like it. So, and we, and we want to play ball with the FBI and in the Reuters story, this is, this is one of the interesting lines in this, because I've, in fact, I remember, uh, a couple years ago when I was talking at a conference and someone raised their hand, And, you know, and I, and I was basically, I was giving a talk about privacy and security and all this, you know, the, the usual shtick that I, that I often do and people want me to talk about. So fine, even though there might be other things I want to talk about, but I get it. Okay. So anyway, so I was talking and, and, uh, I asked the crowd, you know, the audience, I said, so who, you know, who here thinks that Apple gives a shit about your security and privacy? And people raised their hand and I'm like, okay, here it's like, okay. So, you know, a few people did. And so I'm like, all right, give me an example of where they did that. And they brought up the San Bernardino case. And I, and, and, and I knew they were going to do that. Everybody does that because again, most people don't read beyond a headline, right. Or they don't keep a uh, tr- key tabs on a story. Granted, you know, keeping tabs on these stories is kind of my job. That's what I do as you know, as a tech journalist. And when I do a podcast and I said, no, apple had no problem working the the problem with the same the reason apple couldn't do anything or couldn't do as much with the san bernardino shooting case was that the fbi fucked it up they you know they tried breaking in too many times and then there was nothing that apple could do but if they hadn't tried to get into the device into the iphone so many times so it was an iphone five or something like that if they hadn't tried that apple would have unlocked it for them they said that so it's not like apple isn't going to play ball with the government and protect you you know by by not i i mean no th- they will gladly do it in fact here's the line from the reuters story there's a link in the show notes if you want to find it for episode 259 here uh it says apple did in fact uh or did in fact turn over the shooters i iCloud, iCloud backups in the pensacola case and said it rejected the characterization that it has not provided substance substantive assistance behind the scenes and, and that's an even different shooting situation Okay. That, that, that's the Pensacola shooting, which is bringing up a lot of this different stuff. And what is with the Saudi air force officer, right? Okay. So in this case, they absolutely did hand it over. It was not like the San Bernardino case where there was nothing they could do about it. Uh, and then here's, here's this line behind the scenes. Apple has provided the U S federal Bureau of investigation with more sweeping help, not related to any specific probe. So, uh, and it goes on a little bit An Apple spokesman uh, declined to comment on the company's handling of the encryption issue or any discussions they had with the FBI. The FBI did not respond to requests for comments on any discussions with Apple. Uh, Of course, they don't want to do that. Uh, More than two years ago, here's, here's the the, kind of the the story here. More than two years ago, Apple told the FBI that it planned to offer users end-to-end encryption when storing their phone data on iCloud, according to one current and three former FBI officials and one current and one former Apple employee. Under that plan, primarily designed to thwart hackers, Apple would no longer have a key to unlock the encrypted data, meaning it would not be able to turn over material to authorities in a readable form, even under court order. In private talks with Apple soon after, representatives of the FBI's cybercrime agents and its operational technology division objected to the plan, arguing it would deny them the most effective means for gaining evidence against iPhone-using suspects, uh, the government sources said. When Apple spoke privately to the FBI about its uh, work on phone security the following year, the end-to-end encryption plan had been dropped, according to the six sources. Uh, Reuters could not determine why exactly Apple dropped the plan. So, I mean, here's the thing. Now, I understand why Apple would do this. Again, they're not doing it because they care about... (sighs) you know, Apple's not doing it because they're anti-government. Apple's not doing it because they're worried about a tyrant coming into office or anything like that. That's not a concern that Apple has. Apple's concern is a monetary bottom, you know, is a bottom line. I'm not saying there's necessarily anything wrong with that, but let's be very clear that they are not coming at this from an ethical issue. They're coming at this from a, uh, you know, from a monetary one. As in, this is what we call data minimization. It is a practice that every security researcher that talks to any company in the digital space, which who the fuck isn't should be recommending is that you don't know, don't collect more data about people collect less because the less you have, the less you are legally and financially on the hook for. Okay. Now there are companies who are willing to take the risk because the amount of money that they can make from the data that they collect by selling it to third parties. And they do that money, okay, is worth it compared to if, you know, whatever, they they run into an Equifax situation. But let's be clear here on that. Yeah, I mean, with Apple, it was just a a different story. It made more, again, they don't need to make money off of selling your data to third parties, right? So they could, Apple could do this because it didn't hurt their bottom line. And in fact, it protected it very much. Okay. But, Just be a hundred percent clear. This has nothing with them, nothing to do with them caring about your privacy, has nothing to do with any of that. And clearly, they have again no problem whatsoever playing ball with the government. And I think Pavel Duroff is spot on when he said iCloud is a surveillance tool. So if you use, I and was Google drive any better. No, it's, I mean, go down the fucking list of them, unless it is end to end encrypting things to where the company that even offers the cloud storage service can't see it themselves. It is a surveillance tool. Potentially. I'm not just going to knock on Apple here, but it is a, you need, it needs to be made abundantly clear. This argument that somehow Apple gives a shit about your privacy, that somehow Apple does some kind of security, right? All the time and blah, blah, blah is horse shit. In fact, it is a pile of horse shit that is nothing less than Jurassic. Cue the meme of Jeff Goldblum looking at the big pile of Triceratops shit saying that is a lot of shit. Apple is full. Well, now they dropped it everywhere. Apple just took one of the biggest shits we've seen since Jurassic Park. Don't, 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 don't tell me about any tech giant that somehow they give a rat's goddamned ass about you because they don't i mean what apple could have denied the fbi apple could have said no nah, you know we're gonna do it anyway nope nope they are ready to suck that government cock they they are they are i mean you, you just oh and that's not a tim Ki- tim cook joke folks please <laughs> okay i didn't mean it that way but i'm just saying they're ready to drop on the knees and make it happen <sighs> i was gonna say bend over and grab the ankles but no we're not going there anyway they're <laughs> they're so fucking bad icloud is a surveillance tool tell your friends now let's move <laughs> It's not a good way to get sponsors, folks, <laughs> is to say these sorts of things. But I got to say it. Someone's got to say it. <sighs> speaking of of further ridiculousness, it's kind of an offhand thing, but I just, I want to bring it up because we talked about the U.S. Space Force, you know, this uh, the sixth branch of the military, this new branch of the military. Uh, speaking of, and speaking of being on, on Twitter, <laughs> they tweeted out, the U.S. Space Force tweeted out the uh, the Space Force uniforms, what they look like. And I, I guess we were all wondering, because we were waiting, okay, what does their symbol look like? And, and when we talked about it on the show, on Sovereign Tech, um, you know, we were like, well, we were wondering about some of these things. And, and they said that, yeah, we're still, you know, working on those. And they showed them. And it's like... <laughs> I know what you're thinking you're expecting like oh these are going to be maybe all black or maybe they would have some like interesting star patterns on them or you know something that makes sense right even though we already know i mean and, and look let, let's be clear here like we, we and we talked about it when we covered the, the the development of the space force on the show that space force isn't exactly you know the troopers that are going to get sent into space right but the most asinine thing this doesn't make any sense even when you take that into consideration. They showed the uniform, the uniform's just woodland camo. I mean, it's the digital style that, you know, that's been a thing for for about 15 years now, but it's just woodland camo. And I mean, I tweeted I even responded to their tweet and I was like, well, "What are you you guys planning on landing on a forest moon anytime soon?" Like, <laughs> like what the fuck is this? <laughs> I mean, it was just stupid. <laughs> you know, it was and you can say, oh, well, at least they saved money, uh, on, uh, you know, I'm not buying all new uniforms because they're really just using the same uniform that fucking every other branch of the military more or less uses. Uh, and like, well, you know, if you're interested in, uh, in, in, saving money with the military, I don't know, maybe bring a bunch of these, you know, a, a bunch of the troops home from the fucking countries that you keep sending them into, you know, or maybe, you know, shrink the military Hell, maybe get rid of the military entirely. Uh, because I don't know, constitutionally you, you weren't even allowed to have one or oh, a little over a hundred years ago. Maybe consider that if you want to save a, save a buck and maybe save the environment while you're at, it. I don't know there's no worse polluter than the military straight up and there's certainly nobody you you're worried about welfare programs man there's no bigger welfare program than the fucking u.s military oh man and i say that as a veteran i don't mind calling bullshit on the on the whole fucking war machine fuck it so anyway i just i saw that and i i it was so ridiculous and fortunately this is one of the areas where twitter did all right because everybody instantly just ripped on it and rightfully so fucking rip on it i i mean i take a special joy when the u.s military gets insulted i i mean i i really really do so for so twitter did do one thing right there you know i I talked a lot of shit but here i'll 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 give credit where it's due um anyway speaking of (laughs) we got another little twitter story here i i all right i want to talk about this for a second I know we're already going 40 minutes in the show. We haven't even gotten to our main story or hackstack, but we got to talk about this. Okay. Um, <sighs> the, I'm just going to mention it. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to bring it up. And I, I, I think it's worthwhile. So we have spent a lot of time on this show. Okay. We have spent a lot of time on this show for years, covering how we need to get back to you know more local storage not relying on servers so much etc etc okay getting to a peer-to-peer future right isn't that like what a lot of us bitcoin people are all about absolutely i am and i'm into peer-to-peer in almost every direction but getting away from the notion of the big bad internet we've been talking about some of the issues that come along with that including social media throughout this entire episode to say nothing of the issue of cloud storage right You know i mean like that that whole problem and and i mean you know it's funny too because it'd be easy enough for iphones in fact most of them already do to have you know ridiculously sized uh, uh well flash drives but hard drives or solid state drives i should say not flash solid state drives in them, you know, that could hold all of your backups and photos and have, you know, a backup on there where, I mean, just, there's, there are really great local ways to solve this whole problem of what happens if something, you know, happens to my device, blah, 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 uh, you know, or it dies, etc. I mean, there's just, there's, there's ways to do it. Right. But, but we don't. And so you run into the issues where again, iCloud is effectively a surveillance tool. So somebody in, I mean, because this show runs pretty hot in libertarian circles, even though I'm wondering how many, now I'm wondering how many libertarians actually fucking listen to the show because a certain popular, uh, I, I, he wouldn't call himself libertarian. Um, so I won't, uh, someone who used to be popular in libertarian circles and in personal freedom circles and so on, a guy named Stefan Molyneux, who, you know, again, credit where it's due about a decade ago, used to have some interesting things to say. And, and I could appreciate, uh, that has not been true for a very long time. Um, but his MailChimp account got shut down. Also, I found out his PayPal account, uh, got shut down and historically also his YouTube account had gotten shut down. Now I had gotten shut down. I covered this on the recent Q and a on Zomia one in depth and much more in depth. So if you want to hear a bigger conversation around this, you can go there, go to zomi1.com, get your hookup, okay? Um, But what really bothered me was some genuine libertarian figureheads, thought leaders, if you want to use that kind of term, came out and were, you know, were were just, talk about crying foul we're crying foul saying, you better go back up your MailChimp accounts and all this stuff, uh, and your your mailing lists and everything, because the mob's going to come for you, blah, blah, blah. You say the wrong thing and they are going to shut you down. Now, whether or not, I mean, that's like a reality. Yeah, I see where that happens. Okay. Where that, where that kind of, that kind of scenario can occur. Um, I could get into, uh, except for with Facebook groups and I used to share some very risque material. It's kind of funny to me because I feel like I say some of the absolute craziest off the wall, dare I say, even, I wouldn't mind if you labeled it this (laughs) anti-civilization kind of things, or certainly uh, anti-society things, I mean, that, that are anywhere, okay? Now, I'm not saying this is a boast, I'm just saying I think that that's a fact. And I'll say it on social media. And somehow I've never been, no, no one's ever tried to shut down any of my shit. No one's ever, t- I, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of baffled. Like I am such an extreme individualist compared to even, I dare say, the most ardent libertarian. And yet somehow, you know, s- somehow my accounts go unscathed and it's not like necessarily they're unpopular. Uh, I mean, on Instagram, I've had, uh, you know, I've had thousands of followers on there on Twitter. I have thousands and thousands of followers. Um, my podcast is fairly popular as far as podcast goes. Again, we do about a little under 20,000 listeners per week, but I've never, I've never really had this issue. Uh, on Patreon, there was a point where I got labeled as adult content. Well, I am, uh, but <laughs> clearly, but regardless, never, ever had the shut, no matter how how crazy a thing I say, I never, ever get shut down. And I mean, it's not like I'm not prepared for it, but then that's kind of the point of what I'm getting at here is that I am prepared for the day when I can get shut down. Because as we've talked about over and over again, why we keep pushing for, you know, the peer to peer future as it were on the show is because when you rely upon any service that has its servers elsewhere that you don't have any control over. Eventually that, you know, you will lose control of your data. Okay. In some form or fashion, or you can lose control to the service that you're using or whatever. I am absolutely prepared for that day. When, whenever I get shut down, I'm amazed it hasn't happened yet. Uh, in fact, somebody's saucy is probably going to go try and do it now. I don't know, but regardless, <laughs> I am prepared for these things. If, podbean shut down my podcast you know uh uh, today inside of a few minutes i would have you know the the signal would not be stopped i would have it going back out to everybody in no time and i would get the new feed out to you etc uh probably using an email list of some type because email is a federated technology so it's not so easy to control unless you're using mailchimp but the part that bothered me with this and i'm going to read a listener email here okay in a second because the part that bothered me with this is that, wait a minute, haven't you guys been listening? Haven't you guys, Gales and z's been listening to me? I've been warning you for the longest fucking time that this is, it is a, just a matter of time before they do this to you. It would make sense, you know, for, for your business, whatever the fuck you're doing online to take control of your own reigns. And we gave plenty of examples already where it was happening, where Google will shut down X and X service and so on. I mean, it was just, it, it, we, I mean, it's one of the things, one of the most popular things we talk about during the foreplay is when something shuts down, something shuts down. It's like, look, you got it. You got to roll your own. You got it. And you got to eat your own dog food as they say. And yet whenever one of these services does their thing, you have these people coming out. Oh, I can't believe they did this. This is censorship. This is blah, 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 blah. Well, you didn't know that this is going to happen. I mean, Sobertech's only, only one of the most popular, uh, I mean, it's not a, just a libertarian show, but I understand where people would, would label it as such. It's only one of the most popular libertarian shows on the fucking planet. How the hell did you not hear me talk about this? How the hell did you not get the message? How the hell did you not get the warning? How, why the hell didn't you do something about it? And I said this on the only one underground Q and a, and I'll say it here. If you are not planning for the worst with your business and you consider yourself, Oh, I am a capitalist. Whoa, capitalist. yeah, I'm the monopoly guy. I'm a capitalist. You are a shitty ass fucking capitalist. If you're not ready for this crap and you should know better what businesses can and cannot do and that they will shut the shit down on you. And they've got every right to quite frankly, if you follow those kinds of concepts, how dare you complain about it? When your YouTube account gets shut down, YouTube doesn't owe you shit. MailChimp doesn't owe you shit. None of these companies owe you shit. And you cry about it like a fucking baby. I'll say it. Yeah, I'll go this far. You goddamn wuss. Every single one of you who's complaining about, oh my God, I can't believe they shut this up. The mob is coming for me. You didn't know? Where's your, where's your wonderful logic? Where's your economic logic of, oh yes, well, we're preparing for the collapse of, uh, of Western civilization. We're preparing for the, the collapse of the economy. The US dollar is gonna fall apart. That's why we need Bitcoin. We need this blah, 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 blah. Okay, so you're planning for all this. You're planning ahead, but you make no plans whatsoever for MailChimp to shut you down or YouTube to shut you down. And then fucking Molyneux comes out on a video saying, hey, I can't get employed. What do you mean? Wait, 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 wait. wait, What do you mean you can't get employed? I thought Western civilization was the best fucking thing on the planet. And I thought you were protecting it and you were protecting it because it was worthwhile to protect. I would assume if it's worthwhile to protect, you could get employed and then you could live in it. If you lost your YouTube channel or your PayPal account, but I guess you can't. So either there's either one or two possibilities here. Maybe there's three or four, but at least one or two One is, is that, well, shit, the system ain't so great. In which case you've been wrong this whole time or two, you're a shitty fucking capitalist. In which case you probably shouldn't tell other people and you shouldn't be vaunting about capitalism because you can't fucking do it right and can't understand it. And that, that, that doesn't just go to Molyneux. That goes to Tom Woods. That goes to everybody who fucking cried foul on this one. drive me nuts because i'm here i'm keeping you got sovereign tech the watchtower Someone who has an understanding of history of tech understanding of history in general understanding just a pretty good degree i would say i mean i get asked to be on other other shows to talk about this from time to time of the human condition maybe you should fucking listen to the show and take some of my advice and be ready for when this crap happens but you know what Sovereign tech listeners who do listen are very smart people. Very, very smart people. And in fact, one of them emailed me, and I think he had a very great, a very good point to make. I'm going to read it here. This is into the email address, BBS at sovereigntech.com. Hey Brian, I'm only part way through your latest QA regarding that racist, statist asshole Molly butt. Woo. Maybe you'll get to it, but I have to write this while I'm thinking of it. I think he and his ilk fully know the risk they take by hitchhiking or by hitching their wagon to PayPal and other corporatist platforms. I think they are hoping to make hay by playing the victim card when they are inevitably cut off. Perhaps like politicians, they believe they can manufacture some more quote unquote, moral outrage that will convert to donations and notoriety. I know it is simplistic and inaccurate to some degree, but when I, la- but when a lack of time or energy for proper analysis, or when I lack uh, time or energy for proper analysis, quote, manufactured victim carding, end quote, is becoming my default answer for trying to make sense of otherwise illogical actions taken by people who are motivated by religion or conservatism. They preach personal responsibility all day, but purposely avoid responsibility for their own decisions and actions. Typical. Bingo, daddy. Bingo. I tell you, sovereign tech listeners are brilliant. There it is, I, and I—I I mean, I th- frankly, I hadn't—I hadn't necessarily thought about that, but I think that might make some sense. Is that they do this shit on purpose to create this is this is—I mean—and and I know that this happens in all kinds of areas. I guess I just kind of hoped that people who claim to be about ethics, logic, libertarianism, personal freedom, all this kind of stuff—that maybe they'd be a little bit better. Maybe they wouldn't do the same trappings that the rest of fucking civilization does but I guess not because in the wrestling business, this is what's called cheap heat, right? You, 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 you get yourself into a situation that puts you over with the crowd. And that's what's going on here. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if all if that's exactly what's going on. Fucking unbelievable. Don't, don't cry for me, Argentina with these asshats. You know what I mean? Don't, don't give them the attention they are I mean, this is the only thing that makes sense to me. Otherwise, I mean, the, the only other possible answer is that they're just a bunch of pragmatists and they have no actual ethics whatsoever. In which case you sure as fuck shouldn't listen to them. So it's either that they're pragmatists and have no ethical foundation or, and look folks, well, or they're just stupid. And for both reasons, you should not follow or listen to these people for a goddamn thing i understand let me be clear on this okay and to quote an old dear friend and hero who you know we lost in recent years harlan ellison look and this is what he would say look you know if you follow your principles all the way all the time you're going to end up naked broke and hungry and i get his point and this is a very principled guy okay what was it uh martin luther king day yesterday i mean this is the guy who marched who literally marched on martin luther king okay this is somebody who you know who will who stared down the state we, do, do you understand harlan ellison was on a list of dangerous individuals by president richard nixon that's how badass that guy was Okay, so you want to talk about somebody that actually lives by their fucking principles and uh, you know I mean, come on, folks. Getting banned off of mail chips nothing. Being on on the president's watch list? Now, that that's somebody you want to listen to because that's somebody who's doing it fucking right. Or at least pay attention to. You don't have to follow them 100% because I certainly wouldn't follow Harlan 100% either because he still thought government was a good idea of all ironies. But you get my point. I understand that you know sometimes we do have to be a bit pragmatic this is not one of those cases the technologies exist outside of mailchimp outside of paypal outside of twitter outside of go down the goddamn list of them that we can start using now and building up a, a whole alternative internet and a have fucking alternative society but these people who are supposedly thought leaders don't have the fucking sack to even try and they just cry when they're when they're, they're the, the when the digital teat gets taken away from them. Wee, I know I want my milk. Wee. Fuckers. Anyway, <laughs> you know. All right, let's talk about sponsor quick, and then I gotta get into we got stories we gotta get into. We gotta try and, and hit them uh, hard and fast here. So, you know, if you want to talk about this sort of stuff, you know, a place, actually, this is, here, here, this is, this is the most, you want, talk about libertarian popularity, okay, the number 27 talk show in the United States, in the United States, uh, sovereign tech sponsor, okay, they, they have easily the largest libertarian audience anywhere, I mean, they just do, they had me, I mean, hell, I was a host on the show, I mean, it is a big fucking deal and that is free talk live it is a show that runs seven nights a week three hours a night you can call in again it's open phones talk about whatever the fuck you want to talk about you know what's amazing about that show what in fact even when i was a host we would get calls from people in africa from like you know little villages and all this stuff it was remarkable why was that possible because the guys of free talk live understand exactly what I'm talking about. What we've been talking about this whole time that at any given moment, even though it's a wildly popular show, number 27 talk show in the United States, they know that at some point the plug could get pulled on them. So they have backups. You know what they're doing? They're sending the fucking signal into space, beaming it back down from satellites that covered the entire fucking planet. Now that's a backup plan. Woo! I love it. That's doing it right, baby pirate radio stations, all kinds of great shit going down with that, making sure that that signal doesn't stop. And anytime something gets shut down, they cry about it. Now they just roll on. I mean, I've even, in fact, when I was working with free talk live, when I was a host, I remember like the Facebook page got banned. I mean, that would happen all the time and we just roll on, you know, I mean, like maybe there'd be a quick comment about it, but it wouldn't be, you know, fucking call to arms because again the people at free talk live you know mark Ian, all the, i mean they know they they get it <laughs> like, yeah it's just a matter of time but they have everything set up i mean and, and oh man it's fucking it's, it's a dynamite operation dynamite operation runs like a multi-million dollar fucking radio station but i mean all done on, on just on, on pure passion it is amazing So credit to them, and I thank them for sponsoring Sovereign Tech. If you've never listened to Free Talk Live, you go to freetalklive.com and you give that shit a listen. You can hear the real deal. Nobody that's going to be crying about their MailChimp account getting shut down. freetalklive.com, and we thank them for sponsoring Sovereign Tech. Now, let's get into... Oh, boy. You know, I, I have a big story here that has to do with a company called Clearview. This also got sent in by a Sovereign Tech listener. Um, but I, I think I want to, I want to change it up. Uh, I'm I'm not, I'm not going to run with this. There's certainly something to talk about with it. There's a lot to talk about with it, but it needs a good long breakdown and it's a really long article. So I'm going to switch it up. Um, let's get into this story, which, you know, again, we're just ripping on iPhones. Look, none of them are any better. (laughs) Okay. I mean, they're really not like, like there's no tech giant that's worth their fucking salt or that's doing security right. And in fact, this one I'm a little conspiratorial about, so let's get into it. The story's from Ars Technica, but everybody was talking about it. Even Tavis Ormandy uh, of Google, who I actually, I think, I know he works for Google, but he's somebody who I think is a very even hand because he'll rip on every side. He'll even rip on his own company. (laughs) I I really appreciate that. Um, But anyway, here's the quick headline. Uh, In fact, I love Ars Technica put, uh, this is by Sean Gallagher, Um, he he put at the top, like, like a mini headline that said certifiably bad. And you're going to know what that means in a second, but uh, the headline is patch windows 10 and server now, because certificate validation is broken. Woo. Uh, crypto library bug allows spoofing of certificates, but no attacks in the wild yet. Let's read a little bit of this. Uh Microsoft's scheduled security update for Windows includes a fix to a potentially dangerous bug that would allow an attacker to spoof a certificate, making it look like it came from a trusted source. The vulnerability reported to Microsoft by the National Security Agency, the NSA, uh affects let's keep Key point on that uh affects windows 10 windows server 2016 windows server in 2019 and windows server version 1803 microsoft has rated the update as important rather than critical but in a blog post um, michelle grunn i'm guessing is the name uh the principal security program manager for microsoft security response center explained that this was because quote we have not seen it used in active attacks end quote however researchers outside microsoft including google's tavis ormandy have a much uh much more dire assessment of the vulnerability and urges users to patch quickly before an active exploit appears. The vulnerability is the, uh, is in the let's see is in the component of windows cryptography library that validates x.509 certificates somehow bypassing the chain of trust used to validate the certificate microsoft's advisory on the vulnerability said the bug the bug could be used to fake the software signing certificate on a malicious version of an application making it look like it came from a trusted developer however the risk extends beyond just code signing an nsa advisory indicates that the vulnerability could be used for man in the middle attacks against uh secure http connections as well well uh and to spoof signed files and emails uh it's possible to perform network level protection against spoof certificates using network devices that inspect tls traffic as long as they don't use windows certificate validation but the nsa warned quote rapid adoption of the patch is only is the only known mitigation at this time and should be the primary focus for all network owners end quote so this is Let's be clear on this. and in fact, if you follow some of Tavis's tweets, uh, he bolsters this point which I'm about to make, which is that this is about as bad as it can get for an operating system, uh, especially an operating system that run to, runs under a lot of the modern auspices of Windows 10. A lot of the security and and let me explain because not a lot of so the NSA put out a warning about this. the NSA's warning is is written a lot more dire. And I would say far more accurately Microsoft is just like, Oh no, no, don't, don't, don't worry too much about it. Blah, blah, blah. Of course, Microsoft's warning is the one that the investor is going to read. And that's ultimately who Microsoft has to please, not the end user, of course. Woo. I'm going to wax conspiratorial on this in a minute, but g- give me a minute on this. Part of the problem of why this is such an issue now, I mean, for Windows server, you know, t- 2016, 2019, and so on. I mean, like th- the reason that that's bad should be apparent, especially since uh, this can be used for spoofing, uh, you know, file transferring and emails and so on. I mean, it, it, that's a very real problem. Security certificates are really the backbone. In fact, we're, if, if you heard the... Uh, You know, at the top of the episode, the audio there, basically when security certificates are getting verified by the software, I mean, that that's a key solution that's happening to make sure that there's nothing funny going on, that there isn't some kind of malicious, say version of an app running or a malicious command is coming, telling an app to do something nasty. Okay. Like install key loggers or, you know, run as a key logger, do other things on an operating system. Those are just examples. Okay. Of what, how bad this could be. Now, what makes it worse with Windows 10? Because while Windows 10 does a lot of security, very right, right? Like a lot of the, this was the thing when UWP was more of a thing where everything is being run in a sandbox. Of course, you know, even though UWP, Microsoft is backpedaled on that to the point of non-existence, right? With the Microsoft store and so on. Um, th- that concept of running everything as a sandbox, kind of like how Google Chrome, the browser, runs as a sandbox on any operating system it happens to be running on to some degree, uh you know that's a great thing okay and meaning running it in the sandbox means that the processes run separate from the rest of the operating system that way there isn't a uh or that solves a lot of potential leaks uh or exploits from occurring right where one program can affect another okay in an operating system that's a very great thing but here's the part that a lot of people aren't necessarily talking about with this. There's two parts. One's the conspiracy. The other is this is a very real problem is that much of windows 10 and its ilk runs on automatic updates. Okay. From software. Again, this is very true with UWP, but now a lot of software will automatically check for updates. Okay. Uh, and we've seen this even in 2019, we have seen examples where there is software out there that would put out updates that we found out were actually like, like malicious updates. They, it was like a fake version of the, of the software that could get installed. Um, or I mean, you could just send up, it doesn't even have to be that, that well thought out, right. Because there were people who was, was the HP that there were updates put out? that i want to say or was it raised oh, is one of those companies i i forget what it was in 2019 bottom line being this whole concept of auto updating which in general is a good thing for security right the thing is is that malicious versions of apps and who is the malicious actor as in who forwarded the update well it could be you know it could be a bad actor you know, quote unquote, a hacker, even though hackers are heroes, but you know, it still uses a malign term. Uh, but what well, we should actually technically call a cracker, right? Crackers could be sending out, uh, not with cheese on them, crackers could be sending out, okay, updates to software that could end up, you know, that, that could effectively respond, okay, to, you know, to, to a security certificate that could get sent and and that Windows would allow that would allow it to do, I mean, remote code execution, all kinds of crazy shit. Okay. So this automatic update thing allows for, and this is what people who are really extreme, this is one of the concerns that they had around Microsoft, not allowing you to not update parts of the operating system and apps and so on. This is why there's some people, some security researchers and specialists who will tell you, no, auto updates are bad because you don't know who's sending the update. And in fact, it wouldn't be hard for the NSA to send the update and then you're fucked. Okay. Now I don't think that that's really necessary to be a problem because, and, I, and I'm, this is where things get a little conspiratorial and I am not the first nor the only, obviously person to suggest this. And that is that this, this setup, who word, or well, what is being, Labeled as an exploit. It's funny that the NSA is the one that warned about this. I mean, it's not out of place, but I wonder about this. Okay. Because one thing that a organization like the NSA would love to have is, ooh, we can just spoof our own security certificates in any operating system and any computer on the planet. Man, that is a surveillance wet dream. And I would not be surprised if the NSA if this is something they actually told Microsoft to put into their computers and the reason why Microsoft didn't sweat it so much is like well you know we only label it as important not critical because we know it wasn't done in the wild why because the only people that knew about it originally was the NSA and so probably or what may have happened is, is that the NSA asked for this ability to create spoof security certificates okay in Windows 10 and somehow they lost control of it. And maybe they didn't necessarily find something in the wild, but they realized that, oh, this little exploit in our toolkit in our government toolkit, uh, is, is now, uh, is now on the loose. And so, okay, Microsoft better patch this one up now because, uh, we don't, we're not the only ones that can do it. I really would not be surprised. I mean, look, you know, to say that Microsoft wouldn't do that, uh, fucking Apple, will drop their plans for end-to-end financially feasible, viable, and important plans, right? At the very least, they care about that, about their finances. They will drop uh, their plans to enable end-to-end encryption of backups to iCloud if the FBI says, you know, hey, no, no, don't do that. We we, we need to surveil uh, iCloud. Why wouldn't Microsoft create the ability to have spoofed uh, security certificates in Windows 10? Of course they would. <laughs> But I mean, because you have to understand this, there is a reason that governments like are constantly asking Microsoft, say China, the Chinese government, the EU, why they're constantly asking Microsoft, Hey, uh, let us look at your fucking kernel before we let you get used either by quote unquote, our people or by, uh, by organizations, you know, government organizations or whatever, because I mean, they, they kind of, they have some smart people there that I'm sure expect this sort of thing, because I imagine they're just, you know, China's, the Chinese government's just like, all right, yeah, what did the NSA put in their American software today? So I don't think that that's outlandish. Uh, I mean, should you update? Fuck it. You better fucking update right now. Hell yes. If you're using windows and I know for some people, you know, you have your little, you're doing it right. You have your little windows, uh, set up off to the side that you use under extreme conditions. Right. and, And otherwise you'd never bother with it. I get it. Yeah, update that right away. But you know what this really speaks to and the real solution here that I would love for people to jump on, again, this only affects Windows. This massive issue is only a real problem with Windows. And we I, I think right now is a great opportunity because the reason a lot of people stay on Windows, I know I've said this a lot, you, we cannot stop saying it, we can't say it enough. Getting people off of Windows is a great and wonderful thing, okay? So the reason a lot of people use windows still, I mean, even somebody like me from time to time is because you're used to it. You've been using it for a decade or more or in you know, 20 years or however long. And you just, you're so used to the process. It's like second nature to you. And it's just, you can get so much done with it. Um, that, you know, it only makes sense for you to continue to use it. I totally understand that argument, but I am going to make a proposition to you. And that is, and I'm going to give you time to get ready for this. We did just find out actually yesterday, we found out that canonical who are the maintainers and developers behind Ubuntu Linux. Okay. They have uh, Ubuntu 2004, which is an LTS release is coming out April 23rd this year, 2020. I think it would behoove you to get ready for this to come out get the, you know, maybe get a new computer. Maybe it's time for that. Okay. Get off of something that, uh, you know, is, is perhaps, uh, you know, is susceptible to Spectre. Okay. You know, maybe get one of those new Ryzen laptops with, you know, with the new Ryzen chip in it and everything go for that. Okay. Get ready for Ubuntu 2004. Now it's not going to be, it's not going to have like a dramatic amount of new features and all this stuff, but it's an LTS release, which means that it's going to be maintained and there'll be security updates for it for five years now you could say well five years goes by in the blink of an eye you know and then I'm gonna to have to learn the new version of Ubuntu and they're probably gonna make crazy changes you know that's why I don't use Linux because they're making all these insane changes all the time well first off if you're really crazy about it you don't have to update you know a Linux machine ever if you really don't want to okay but Ubuntu 2004 which what are they it's got one of those funny animal names Focal Fossa is that the name of it I think it's Focal Fossa is not just an LTS release, which means long-term support. It's not just an LTS release. It's actually an ESM release, which means a extended maintenance release. That means it gets security updates for 10 years. So basically you can install Ubuntu 2004 and you are secured until 2030. If you, it is a great opportunity, a great time to learn Ubuntu and to have that machine that you don't worry about, you know, I mean, the updates that come through, security updates, whatever, but you don't worry about, oh, am I going to have to learn a new thing in six months? Are they going to make dramatic changes like Microsoft does to Windows 10 every fucking, you know, twice a year and all this crap? You're not going to have to worry about any of that. You could just let it ride as is. Again, you want the security updates, but you're going to get those security updates for 10 years. That is a much better timeline than Microsoft's going to offer you. They're going to charge you an arm and a leg. This is for free. So I, I think, I mean, this security certificate issue, with or you know the secure the certificate spoofing issue with windows 10 i i don't think you can under you you can't overstate how how bad this is i'm glad it's patched okay and it got patched very quickly um which makes me also think that microsoft knew about it for a while and they were just waiting for the day when they had to roll it out but regardless it was patched very quickly okay uh so make sure you've updated at the very least but then step two is I want you to do the real update. The real update is upgrade is updating from Windows 10 to Ubuntu. Okay, in fact, it's Ubuntu 20. So there, you can feel like you're more in the future if you really want. Please do this. Please consider this. So many of these issues that we talk about every single week on this show can be so can be just readily solved by not by the bulk of us as many of us as possible not using Windows anymore, and then you don't even have to sweat it. Okay. I mean, that doesn't mean Linux is perfect and doesn't have issues. Sure it does. Okay. But you have a lot more control when it comes to windows. A lot of these concerns that I've raised talking about the certificate spoofing, uh, you know, you can mitigate a lot of that. Okay. There's just, and, and there's, there's so many eyes and the beauty of Linux is that it doesn't really, especially the kernel itself comes with a much different ethos than what we talked about with Apple and even Microsoft in this episode, where it's not so really, it's not so much about the money it's about things working you know and and workflows having to happen and it, it, i mean that's that's where it's at and people just wanting to use a computer and for it to fucking work and do what they tell it to and that's what we should demand out of these machines so i wouldn't recommend buying an iphone anytime soon <laughs> or at least i wouldn't recommend using iCloud how about that um, i guess we could get into solutions around that is using android the solution yeah eh. but regardless stay away from iCloud I mean there's options there you don't have to use iCloud with Apple products um and and get just get off of Windows 10 this is really really bad all right and you've got a golden opportunity to have a very stable operating system for the next 10 years take it take it it's coming April 23rd 2000 2020 okay like I said, go get yourself the new laptop or a new NUC or whatever the fuck you do. If you build your computers, great. You know, go, go rock one of those and and get ready for April 23rd, get all your data in order. It's a great opportunity. Okay. If you are switching over to a new operating system, it is a great opportunity to clean up all that data. Maybe go through all the accounts that you happen to have. Okay. This is also a great opportunity to switch over to Firefox if if you're still using Chrome for some reason. Okay. This is a great opportunity to change and just clean up and and really tighten up your digital life and the more the tighter it is the more secure it is and you're going to be uh, you know just a ass ton more secure using ubuntu using linux in general okay take this opportunity take the warning for what it is we've been talking this whole episode about warnings and how people don't listen and how we know fuck we we don't have to deal with these problems that come with windows because we can use other operating systems okay you've been getting warned for years on this show take the warnings now great chance 2020 great year to change your entire digital game do it all right and i think we can end the episode really with that message we don't have to go much further we've got tons of great uh, great, great stories to get into in the very near future on sovereign tech and uh, of course we'd love to have ellen back next week and i know all of you love it when she's on she's absolute dynamite woo! and uh anyway we're gonna keep rocking 2020 i hope you do too i will see all of you woo, on the other side
1: Thank you for listening to Sovereign Tech and Osiris One Production. Now go out there and make some trouble.